Okay, we are with Mr. Charles Chenier. He is a former Tuskegee Airman, and he was born a few years ago in 1924. And at age uh, 18, he was drafted and became a member of the Tuskegee Airmen. It's a great privilege to have you on the air. This is Black History Month, and so we thought it would be really neat to visit with a real American hero, a former airman that fought two wars, fought in World War II, and also fought the barriers that all black men and women faced um, during that time and, and still face to a certain degree today. So I want to uh, welcome you to Bringing Light into Darkness, and thank you so much for, for joining us. And let me just start off by asking you if you can share with us, take us back to the 1940s. I guess you, you, you were actually drafted in, in what year, sir? February of 43. Okay, okay, February of 43. And did you immediately be, become associated and deployed to the Tuskegee uh, Cadet School? Is that where the Cadet School was in yeah, Tuskegee? in Tuskegee, Alabama. And actually, for our listeners, just so that they know, the first class of Tuskegee Airmen that enlisted, the first aviation cadet class began in 1941, and they actually completed their training nine months later in March of 1942. And out of the 13 that started, five were successful. And it was interesting when I was doing a little research that according to the Wikipedia, it was not such an easy task to be successful there, that prior to Tuskegee, there was no military pilots that had been African-American. However, there were a series of legislative moves by the United States Congress, and in 1941, it forced the Army Air Corps to form an all-black combat unit. And this was much to the War Department's chagrin. Uh, in an effort to eliminate the unit before it even began, the War Department set up a system to accept only those with a high level of flight experience or higher education that they expected would be very hard to fill and this policy backfired when the Air Corps received numerous applications from men who qualified even under these restrictions. So Mr. Chenier, you came to Tuskegee very very close to its beginning and when you came there how big was your, you remember how big your cadet class was? Tuskegee situation was a, a controversial thing to begin with. The the NWACP, that's National Association for the Advancement of Colored, Pe Colored People, they asked the War Department to integrate the Air Force because lots of blacks could fly a plane, but they weren't admitted into the Air Force. Another Tuskegee University asked them to start Negro training in Tuskegee. They figured that they would just train them and they'd shut up. The, it was a controversy then among between Tuskegee and the NAACP because the NAACP said that Tuskegee was uh, going against them because by having all black outfits, it still wasn't integrating the Air Force. But Tuskegee won the argument and they started training blacks at Tuskegee University. It was Tuskegee Institute at that time. Now, later in the Tuskegee was the beginning of a process in which many people who did not go overseas directly went on, went on up to Selfridge Field in Michigan. And then there was a great deal of conflict. Uh, they were denied access to uh, office clubs, and they raised 
they were very uh, opposed to that and of course uh, you know agitated against that and they were transferred to the god uh, the, what is it the godman field in kentucky and then again some problems came up b- based to these unfair types of treatments and they were later transferred to the freeman field in indiana and it's interesting that eventually what occurred was the tuskegee airmen were actually transferred to uh, and saw their first real action, I believe, in, in the European theater. Is that correct? Yes. When they, you see the, the Tuskegee Airmen train and train and train, they were combat ready, but the Air Force was not ready for black pilots. And they claimed that blacks couldn't fight, they couldn't fly a plane and everything. And they kept going back and forth. And finally, Mrs. Roosevelt came down to Tuskegee. And Captain Anderson, who was in charge of training, uh, took her up in a plane. And she loved the way he flew. He flew the plane. And that's when she went back and told her husband, who was President Franklin Roosevelt, that the blacks were able, were able to fly a plane. And that's when they really got down to train them then. And they got them ready for war. They said they were getting ready for war, but they had no intention of putting them in the war. When they finally got, got admitted, I guess you call it, to the white society, they shipped out to New York, and they went to Europe, to, to Africa, on a ship. It took three weeks to get there. Uh, they couldn't go out plane because no plane could cross the ocean without refueling, and they couldn't refuel in the air at that time. So uh, they went to, went to Europe, and they stayed there a long time because they were just stuck in, in Sicily, actually. And then finally they got to notice that they would have the blacks escort a couple of bombers on a mission. It was a bombing mission. They were strafing uh, railroads and oil fields and that kind of thing. Well, on that first mission, they were on that first mission, and the, and the Germans, did, they came. And the blacks left the formation to intercept these German planes. The German planes left, but that was a no-no because the person who was in charge of the Tuskegee Airmen, then he was a white general, he said that the blacks couldn't follow orders, that their job was to escort the planes and not to intercept the planes. You see what I'm talking about? Absolutely. And and just to let our listeners know, you, you're talking about these were, at this point, they were flying, what, P-51 Mustang planes, is that correct? That's correct. And they were actually going up against Germans' best planes, which were the, the left wave if I'm pronouncing that right, planes. And it's interesting that this is the change that was occurring is now they were actively in the theater and they were in combat and these things changed specifically, as you said. It's, uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia site here. It says things changed after the 99th moved to Sicily and was attached to the 79th fighter group whose commander fully involved the squadron. So that was a little bit later, but it's interesting that it goes on to say that there was an impressive combat record, often entering combat against greater numbers of superior German aircraft and coming out victorious. Uh, So even though they were originally doing the bomber escort, that ultimately bombers themselves would request the escort by this group, not even knowing that they were black pilots, just because they did their job so well. Yeah, that that came about later. Oh, okay. See, at first... uh they were, the whites could peel off and intercept those German Messerschmitts, 
but they didn't want the blacks to do it. They just wanted the blacks to escort. Later on, they gave them permission to intercept, and that's when they intercepted, and they were, well, they did, did very well. They didn't lose Obama. Uh, now, uh, 60 years later, they claim they lost three bombers, but three bombers out of about 1,500 missions, that's still something to brag about. Absolutely. And it says, although bomber groups would require would request red tail escort, that was one of the nicknames for these pilots. They got so that uh, they didn't want the white escorts. They asked for the blacks. 